section thirty nine of the cloister and the hearth this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the cloister and the hearth by charles reed chapter thirty seven part one the culprits were condemned to stand pinioned in the market-place for two hours that should any persons recognize them or any of them as guilty of other crimes they might depose to that effect at the trial they stood however the whole period and no one advanced anything fresh against them this was the less remarkable that they were night-birds vampires who preyed in the dark on weary travellers mostly strangers but just as they were being taken down a fearful scream was heard in the crowd and a woman pointed at one of them with eyes almost starting from their sockets but ere she could speak she fainted away then men and women crowded round her partly to aid her partly from curiosity when she began to recover they fell to conjectures twas at him she pointed nay twas at this one nay nay said another twas at yon hang-dog with the hair hung round his neck all further conjectures were cut short the poor creature no sooner recovered her senses than she flew at the landlord like a lioness my child man man give me back my child and she seized the glossy golden hair that the officers had hung round his neck and tore it from his neck and covered it with kisses then her poor confused mind clearing she saw even by this token that her lost girl was dead and sank suddenly down shrieking and sobbing so over the poor hair that the crowd rushed on the assassin with one savage growl his life had ended then and speedily for in those days all carried death at their girdles but Donya drew his sword directly and shouting a moi camarades kept the mob at bay who lays a finger on him dies other archers backed him and with some difficulty they kept him uninjured while Donya appealed to those who shouted for his blood what sort of vengeance is this would you be so mad as rob the wheel and give the vermin an easy death the mob was kept passive by the archer's steel rather than by donia's words and growled at intervals with flashing eyes the municipal officers seeing this collected round and with the archers made a guard and prudently carried the accused back to jail the mob hooted them and the prisoners indiscriminately donia saw the latter safely lodged then made for the white hart where he expected to find gerard on the way he saw two girls working at a first-floor window he saluted them they smiled he entered into conversation their manners were easy their complexion high he invited them to a repast at the white heart they objected he acquiesced in their refusal they consented and in this charming society he forgot all about poor gerard who meantime was carried off to jail but on the way suddenly stopped having now somewhat recovered his presence of mind and demanded to know by whose authority he was arrested by the vice bailey's said the constable the vice bailey alas what have i a stranger done to offend a vice bailey 
for this charge of sorcery must be a blind no sorcerer am i but a poor true lad far from his home this vague shift disgusted the officer show him the copy ah jacques said he jacques held out the writ in both hands about a yard and a half from gerard's eye and at the same moment the large constable suddenly pinned him both officers were on tenterhooks lest the prisoner should grab the document to which they attached a superstitious importance but the poor prisoner had no such thought query whether he would have touched it with the tongs he just craned out his neck and read it and to his infinite surprise found the vice-bailiff who had signed the writ was the friendly alderman he took courage and assured his captor there was some error but finding he made no impression demanded to be taken before the alderman what say to you that jacques impossible we have no orders to take him before his worship read the writ neighbour good kind fellows what harm can it be i will give you each an ecue jacques what say you to that huh i say we have no orders not to take him to his worship read the writ then say we take him to prison round by his worship it was agreed they got the money and bade gerard observe they were doing him a favour he saw they wanted a little gratitude as well as much silver he tried to satisfy this cupidity but it stuck in his throat feigning was not his fort he entered the alderman's presence with his heart in his mouth and begged with faltering voice to know what he had done to offend since he left that very room with manon and Anya. not that i know of said the alderman on the writ being shown him he told gerard he had signed it at daybreak i get old and my memory faileth me a discussing of the girl i quite forgot your own offence but i remember now all is well you are he i committed for sorcery stay ere you go to jail you shall hear what your accuser says run and fetch him you the man could not find the accuser all at once so the alderman getting impatient told gerard the main charge was that he had set a dead body up burning with diabolical fire that flamed but did not consume and if tis true young man i am sorry for thee for thou wilt assuredly burn with fire of good pine logs in the market-place of neuf chasteaux oh sir for pity's sake let me have speech with his reverence the cure the alderman advised gerard against it the church was harder upon sorcerers than was the corporation but sir i am innocent said gerard between snarling and whining oh if you think you are innocent officer go with him to the cure but see he scape you not innocent quotha they found the cure in his doublet repairing a wheelbarrow gerard told him all and appealed piteously to him just for using a little phosphorus in self-defence against cut-throats they are going to hang it was lucky for our magician that he had already told his tale in full to the cure for thus that shrewd personage had hold of the stick at the right end the corporation held it by the ferule his reverence looked exceedingly grave and said i must question you privately on this untoward business he took him into a private room and bade the officer stand outside and guard the door and be ready to come if called the big constable stood outside the door quaking and expecting to see the room fly away and leave a stink of brimstone instantly they were alone the cure unlocked his countenance and was, was himself again show me the trick on it said he all curiosity i cannot sir unless the room be darkened the cure speedily closed out the light with a wooden shutter now then 
but on what shall i put it said gerard here is no dead face twas that made it look so dire the cure groped about the room good here is an image tis my patron saint heaven forbid that were profanation pshaw twill rub off will it not ay but it goes against me to take such liberty with a saint objected the sorcerer fiddlestick said the divine to be sure by putting it on his holiness will show your reverence it is no satanic art mayhap twas for that i did propose it said the cure subtly thus encouraged gerard fired the eyes and nostrils of the image and made the cure jump then lighted up the hair in patches and set the whole face shining like a glow-worm's by our lady shouted the cure tis strange and small my wonder that they took you for a magician seeing a dead face thus fired now come thy ways with me he put on his grey gown and great hat and in a few minutes they found themselves in presence of the alderman by his side poisoning his mind stood the accuser a singular figure in red hose and red shoes a black gown with blue bands and a cocked hat after saluting the alderman the cure turned to this personage and said good-humouredly so mungi at thy work again babbling away honest men's lives come your worship this is the old tale two of a trade can ne'er agree here is mungi who professes sorcery and would sell himself to satan to-night but that satan is not so weak as by what he can have gratis this mungi who would be a sorcerer but is only a quack salver accuses of magic a true lad who did but use in self-defence the secret of chemistry well known to me and all churchmen but he is no churchman to dabble in such mysteries objected the alderman he is more churchman than layman being convent-bred and in the lesser orders said the ready cure therefore sorcery withdraw thy plaint without more words that i will not your reverence replied mongui stoutly a sorcerer i am but a white one not a black one i make no pact with satan but on the contrary still battle him with lawful and necessary arts i ne'er profane the sacraments as do the black sorcerers nor turn myself into a cat and go sucking infants blood nor in their breath nor set dead men afire i but tell the peasants when their cattle and their hens are possessed and at what time of the moon to plant rye and what days in each month are lucky for wooing of women and selling of bullocks and so forth above all it is my art and my trade to detect the black magicians as i did that whole tribe of them who were burnt at gaul but last year ay mungi and what is the upshot of that famous fire thy tongue did kindle why their ashes were cast to the wind ay but the true end of thy comedy is this the parliament of dijon hath since sifted the matter and found they were no sorcerers but good and peaceful citizens and but last week did order masses to be said for their souls and expiatory farces and mysteries to be played for them in seven towns of burgundy all which will not of those cinders make men and women again now tis our custom in this land when we have slain the innocent by hearkening false names like thee not to blame our credulous ears but the false tongue that galled them therefore bethink thee that at a word from me to my lord bishop thou wilt smell burning pine nearer than ere knave smelted and lived and wilt travel on a smoky cloud to him whose heart thou bearest for the word devil in the latin it meaneth false accuser and whose livery thou wearest and the cure pointed at mongui with his staff that is true effects said the alderman for red and black be the foul fiendish colours 
by this time the white sorcerer's cheek was as colourless as his dress was fiery indeed the contrast amounted to pictorial he stammered out i respect holy church and her will he shall fire the churchyard and all in it for me i do withdraw the plaint then withdraw thyself said the vice bailiff the moment he was gone the curate took the conversational tone and told the alderman courteously that the accused had received the chemical substance from holy church and had restored it her by giving it all to him then tis in good hands was the reply young man you are free let me have your reverence's prayers doubted not humph vice bailey the town owes me four silver francs this three months and more they shall be paid cure ay ere the week be out on this good understanding church and state parted as soon as he was in the street gerard caught the priest's hand and kissed it oh sir oh your reverence you have saved me from the fiery stake what can i say what do what naught foolish lad bounty rewards itself nathless sump i wish i had done it without leasing it ill becomes my function to utter falsehoods falsehood sir gerard was mystified didst not hear me say thou hadst given me that same phosphorus twill cost me a fortnight's penance that light word the cure sighed and his eye twinkled cunningly nay nay cried gerard eagerly now heaven forbid that was no falsehood father well you knew the phosphorus was yours is yours and he thrust the bottle into the cure's hand but alas tis too poor a gift will you not take from my purse somewhat for holy church and now he held out his purse with glistening eyes nay said the other brusquely and put his hands quickly behind him not a doigt fie fie art pauper exul come thou rather each day at noon and take thy diet with me for my heart warms to thee and he went off very abruptly with his hands behind him they itched but they itched in vain where there's a heart there's a rubicon gerard went hastily to the inn to relieve darnia of the anxiety so long and mysterious and absent must have caused him he found him seated at his ease playing dice with two young ladies whose manners were unreserved and complexion high gerard was hurt n'oubliez point la gentan said he colouring up what of her said darnia gaily rattling the dice she said le peur que sont les femmes oh did she and what say you to that mesdemoiselles we say that none run women down but such as are too old or too ill-favoured or too witless to please them witless quotha wise men have not folly enough to please them nor madness enough to desire to please them said gerard loftily but tis to my comrade i speak not to you you brazen toads that make so free with a man at first sight preach away comrade fling up by word or two at our heads know girls that he is a very solomon for by words methinks he was brought up by hand on em be thy friendship a byword retorted gerard the friendship that melts to naught at sight of a farthingale malheureux cried Donya, i speak but pellets and thou answerest daggers would i could was the reply adieu what a little savage said one of the girls gerard opened the door and put in his head i have thought of a byword said he spitefully qui hon femme et il mourra en pauvreté 
there and having delivered this thunderbolt of antique wisdom he slammed the door viciously ere any of them could retort and now being somewhat exhausted by his anxieties he went to the bar for a morsel of bread and a cup of wine the landlord would sell nothing less than a pint bottle well then he would have a bottle but when he came to compare the contents of the bottle with its size great was the discrepancy on this he examined the bottle keenly and found that the glass was thin where the bottle tapered but towards the bottom unnaturally thick he pointed this out at once the landlord answered superciliously that he did not make bottles and was nowise accountable for their shape that we will see presently said gerard i will take this thy pint to the vice-bailiff nay nay for heaven's sake cried the landlord changing his tone at once i love to content my customers if by chance this pint be short we will charge it and its fellow three sous instead of two sous each so be it but much i admire that you the host of so fair an inn should practise thus the wine too smacketh strongly of spring water young sir said the landlord we cut no travellers throats at this inn as they do at most however you know all about that the white heart is no lion nor bear whatever masterful robbery is done here is done upon the poor host how then could he live at all if he dealt not a little crooked with the few who pay gerard objected to this system rude and branch honest trade with small profits quick returns and neither to cheat nor be cheated the landlord sighed at this picture so might one keep an inn in heaven but not in burgundy when foot-soldiers going to the wars are quartered on me how can i but lose by their custom two sous per day is their pay and they eat two sous worth and drink into the bargain the partners are my good friends but palmers and pilgrims what think you i gain by them marry a loss minstrels and jongleurs draw custom and so claim to pay no score except for liquor by the secular monks i neither gain nor lose but the black and grey friars have made a vow of poverty but not of famine eat like wolves and give the poor host naught but their prayers and mayhap not them how can he tell in my father's day we had the weddings but now the great gentry let their houses and their plates their mugs and their spoons to any honest couple that want to wed and thither the very mechanics go with their brides and bridal train they come not to us indeed we could not find seats and vessels for such a crowd as eat and drink and dance the week out at the homeliest wedding now in my father's day the great gentry sold wine by the barrel only but now they have leave to cry it and sell it by the gallopin in the very market-place how can we vie with them they grow it we buy it of the grower the coronet's quest we have still and these would bring goodly profit but the meat is aye gone ere the mouths be full you should make better provision suggested his hearer the law will not let us we are forbidden to go into the market for the first hour so when we arrive the burghers have bought all but the refuse besides the law forbids us to buy more than three bushels of meal at a time yet market day comes but once a week as for the butchers they will not kill for us unless we bribe them courage said gerard kindly the shoe pinches every trader somewhere ay but not as it pinches us our shoe is trowed all of one side as well as pinches us lame ah savoir if we pay not the merchants we buy meal meat and wine of they can cast us into prison and keep us there till we pay or die but we cannot 
cast into prison those who buy those very victuals of us a traveller's horse we may keep for his debt beware in heaven's name in our own stable eating his head off at our cost nay we may keep the traveller himself but where in jail nay in our own good house and there must we lodge and feed him gratis and so fling good silver after bad merci no let him go with a wanian our honestest customers are the thieves would to heaven there were more of them they look not too close into the shape of the canakin nor into the host's reckoning with them and with their purses tis lightly come and lightly go also they spend freely not knowing but each carouse may be their last but the thief-takers instead of profiting by this fair example are forever robbing the poor host when noble or honest travellers descend at our door come the provost men pretending to suspect them and demanding to search them in their papers to save which offence the host must bleed wine and meat then come the excise to examine all your weights and measures you must stop their mouths with meat and wine town excise royal excise parliament excise a swarm of them and all with a wolf in their stomachs and a sponge in their gullets monks friars pilgrims palmers soldiers excisemen provosts marshals and men and mere bad debtors how can the white heart butt against all these cutting no throats in self-defence as do your swans and roses and boar's head and white lions and eagles your moons stars and moors how can the white heart give a pint of wine for a pint and everything risen so why lad not a pound of bread i sell but cost me three good copper deniers twelve to the sou and each pint of wine bought by the ton cost me four deniers every sack of charcoal two sous and gone in a day a pair of partridges five sous what think you of that heard one ever the like five sous for two little beasts all bone and feather a pair of pigeons thirty deniers tis ruination for we may not raise our prices with the market oh no i tell thee the shoe is trowed all on one side as well as pinches the water into our eyne we may charge naught for mustard pepper salt or firewood thank you we get them for naught candle it is a sou the pound salt five sous the stone pepper four sous the pound mustard twenty deniers the pint and raw meat dwindleth it on the spit with no cost to me but loss of weight why what think you i pay my cook but you shall never guess a hundred sous a year as i am a living sinner and my waiter thirty sous besides his perquisites he is a hantle richer than i am and then to be insulted as well as pillaged last sunday i went to church as a place i trouble not often didn't the cure lash the hotel keepers i grant you he hit all the trades except the one that is a byword for looseness and pride and sloth to wit the clergy but mind you he striped the other lay estates with a feather but us hotel keepers with a neat spizzle godless for this godless for that and most godless of all for opening our doors during mass why the law forces us to open at all hours to travellers from another town stopping halting or passing those be the words they can fine us before the bailiff if we refuse them mass or no mass and say a townsman should creep in with the true travellers are we to blame they all vow they are tired wayfarers and can i can every face in a great town like this so if we respect the law our poor souls are to suffer and if we respect it not 
our poor lank purses must bleed at two holes fine and loss of custom a man speaking of himself in general is a babbling brook of his wrongs a shining river labitur et labitur in omne volubilis iwum so luckily for my readers though not for all concern this injured orator was arrested in mid-career another man burst in upon his wrongs with all the advantage of a recent wrong a wrong red-hot it was donya cursing and swearing and crying that he was robbed did those hussies pass this way who are they where do they bide they have taken my purse and fifteen golden pieces raise the hue and cry ah traitresses vipers these ends are all good oppens there now cried the landlord to gerard gerard implored him to be calm and say how it had befallen first one went out on some pretence then after a while the other went to fetch her back and neither returning i clapped hand to purse and found it empty the ungrateful creatures i was letting them win it in a gallop but loaded dice were not quick enough they must claw it all in a lump gerard was for going at once to the alderman and setting the officers to find them not i said donya i hate the law no as it came so let it go gerard would not give it up so at a hint from the landlord he forced donya along with him to the provost marshal that dignitary shook his head we have no clue to occasional thieves that work honestly at their needles till some gull comes and tempts them with an easy booty and then they pluck him come away cried donya furiously i knew what use a bourgeois would be to me at a pinch and he marched off in a rage they are clear of the town ere this said gerard speak no more aunt if you prize my friendship i have five pieces with the bailiff and ten i left with manon luckily or these traitresses have feathered their nest with my last plume what does cape for so nay i do ill to vent my collar on thee i'll tell thee all art wiser than i what saidst thou at the door no matter well then i did offer marriage to that manon gerard was dumbfounded what you offered her what marriage is that such a mighty strange thing to offer a wench tis a strange thing to offer to a strange girl in passing nay i'm not such a sot as you opine i saw the corn and all that chaff i knew i could not get her by fair means so i was fain to try foul mademoiselle said i marriage is not one of my habits but struck by your qualities i make an exception deign to bestow this hand on me and she bestowed it on thine ear not so on the contrary she art a disrespectful young monkey know that here not being holland or any other barbarous state courtesy begets courtesy says she a colouring like a rose soldier you are too late he is not a patch on you for looks but then he has loved me a long time he who t'other what other why he that was not too late oh that is the way they all speak the loves the she-wolves their little minds go in leaps think you they marshal their words in order of battle their tongues are in too great a hurry says she i love him not not to say love him but he does me and dearly and for that reason i'd sooner die than cause him grief i would now i believe she did love him who doubts that why she said so round about as they always say these things and with nay for a well one thing led to another and at last as she could not give me her hand she gave me a piece of advice 
and that was to leave part of my money with the young mistress then when bad company had cleaned me out i should have some to travel back with said she i said i would better her advice and leave it with her her face got red says she think what you do chambermaids have an ill name for honesty oh the devil is not so black as he is painted said i i'll risk it and i left fifteen gold pieces with her gerard sighed i wish you may ever see them again it is wondrous in what esteem you do hold this sex to trust so to the first comer for my part i know little about them and never saw but one i could love as well as i love thee but the ancients must surely know and they held women cheap Lewis quid femina said they which is but la jantance tune in latin le peur cur sont les femmes also do but see how the greybeards of our own day speak of them being no longer blinded by desire this alderman to wit oh novice of novices cried donya not to have seen why that old fool rails so on the poor things one day out of the millions of women he blackens one did prefer some other man to him for which solitary piece of bad taste and ten to one twas good taste he doth bespatter creation's fairer half thereby proving what le peur que sont les hommes i see women have a shrewd champion in thee said gerard with a smile but the next moment inquired gravely why he had not told him all this before donya grinned had the girl said ay why then i had told thee straight but tis a rule with us soldiers never to publish our defeats tis much if after each check we claim not a victory now that is true said gerard young as i am i have seen this that after every great battle the generals on both sides go to the nearest church and sing each a te deum for the victory methinks a te martem or te bellonum or te mercurium mercury being the god of lies were more fitting pa sibet said donya approvingly hast a good eye can't see a steeple by daylight so now tell me how thou hast fared in this town all day come said gerard tis well thou hast asked me for else i had never told thee he then related in full how he had been arrested and by what a providential circumstance he had escaped long imprisonment or speedy conflagration his narrative produced an effect he little expected or desired i am a traitor cried donya i left thee in a strange place to fight thine own battles while i shook the dice with those jays now take thou this sword and pass it through my body forthwith what for in heaven's name inquired gerard for an example roared donya for a warning to all false loons that profess friendship and disgrace it oh very well said gerard yes not a bad notion where will you have it here through my heart that is where other men have a heart but i none or a satanic false one gerard made a motion to run him through and flung his arms round his neck instead i know no way to thy heart but this thou great silly thing donya uttered an exclamation then hugged him warmly and quite overcome by this sudden turn of youthful affection and native grace gulped out in a broken voice railest on women and art like them with thy pretty ways thy mother's milk is in thee still satan would love thee or le bon dieu would kick him out of hell for shaming it give me thy hand give me thy hand nay a tremendous oath if i let thee out of my sight till italy and so the staunch friends were more than reconciled after their short tiff 
the next day the thieves were tried the pièces de conviction were reduced in number to the great chagrin of the little clerk by the interment of the bones but there was still a pretty show a thief's hand struck off flagrante delicto a murdered woman's hair the abbot's axe and other tools of crime the skulls etc were sworn to by the constables who had found them evidence was lax in that age and place they all confessed but the landlord Amino, was called to bring the crime home to him her evidence was conclusive he made a vain attempt to shake her credibility by drawing from her that her own sweetheart had been one of the gang and that she had held her tongue so long as he was alive the public prosecutor came to the aid of his witness and elicited that a knife had been held to her throat and her own sweetheart sworn with solemn oaths to kill her should she betray them and that this terrible threat and not the mere fear of death had glued her lips the other thieves were condemned to be hanged and the landlord to be broken on the wheel he uttered a piercing cry when his sentence was pronounced end of section thirty nine